Hi, I'm Ashley Alsadi, and welcome to the Cold Calling Queen Jester to Royalty Project. Many people feel like a bit of a jester in a court when it comes to selling. They may feel like they have to put on a performance, act like a bit of a fool, and let's face it, not even get a smile crack from their prospects. The great news is though, there are tips and techniques that you can use to win back the crown and convert way more clients. During this podcast, we cover everything to do with selling, everything from making the perfect pitch, overcoming objections, right through to a sales process, and we interview some great salespeople along the way. I hope you enjoy and that this podcast allows you to go from being the jester in the court to true royalty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jester to Royalty Project. I am your host, Ashley Alsadi. Now, recently, I did a post on quite a number of my social media platforms that was titled Lights, Camera, Sell. And this post was all about acting, the world of television and performing arts, and the transferable skills you can take from there into the sales world. So I've decided to do this podcast episode on exactly that, lights, camera, selling, and I have asked a very special guest to join me this evening. Now, I want to introduce Ravi Rajani. Uh, He's the commercial director at Fly Now, Pay Later, but also on LinkedIn likes to say that he's obsessed with sales (laughs) and all about speaking and leadership. Uh, So I'd like to uh, welcome Ravi. To the show. What's going on, Ashley? How are you doing? Good? <laughs> I'm very good. How about yourself, Ravi? I'm good. As you can see, on lockdown, my hair looks like Ace Ventura. <laughs> like, it's... My beard is like... I don't know. I look homeless. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back in a suit uh, and, and out there. I love a bit of face-to-face. But, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I love <laughs> it. Well, actually, I mean, look, if anyone could see me probably from the pants down, they'd know that I'm in isolation still too. Yeah, <laughs> that's the classic tell sign. That's right. I might look corporate. Yeah. And isn't it great that we can live in this world now that we know because most of our clients will turn up wearing jumpers and tracksuit pants yeah. and whatever. Everyone can be authentic now, I think. <laughs> that's so true, you know, because I, I had a call yesterday with a client and I was wearing a baseball cap. But there is that lack of judgment now as to, oh, is that unprofessional? Is it professional? Because it is what it is and it does loosen those barriers for sure. Definitely. I had a, a yeah. friend of mine who's actually a, uh, a lawyer say yeah. that they did a court appearance when we were in lockdown, obviously over Zoom. And yeah. apparently another barrister turned up in a beanie and it really didn't oh. go down well. A court appearance over Zoom. I'm waiting for the first Zoom wedding or IG live wedding. I haven't seen one yet, but that's what I'm waiting for. But a court appearance, I mean, that must feel so weird. No, I know. I know. I haven't seen a wedding either. But look, I mean, it's the way the world is going. And I guess it's very much in line with our topic this evening, Ravi, because we're talking all about the world of acting and how those skills are transferable to selling. Now. One of the reasons I brought you on here, um, obviously I was very excited to have you on here as a guest, but when we were engaging on LinkedIn, when I did that post about acting and selling, I said Mm. that I believe I'm very passionate about sales because of my background in performing arts. And you came back saying, you know what, Ash, I think it's exactly the same for me. So I'd love you to elaborate and give uh, listeners a bit of insight into your background and why you're now in sales. Oh, like if I think about the background to performing arts, to tackle your first part of the question, like I could talk for days about this. I'm going to give you like uh, a really quick nutshell, but if I take it back to like the first, I wouldn't call it memories, but the first notable moment uh, yes. as I was growing up. I was nine, right? So get this. I'm nine years old, maybe mm-hmm. maybe eight, nine, ten, that sort of range. Yeah. And I'm in school and then we have like an assembly where all the kids are basically um, every single week. The, the teacher, the headmistress sits at the front, talks about what people are doing. And yep. this girl gets up and she's given a trophy for... 
um, basically dance school or something that something dance related. Okay. She, she says, thank you for the award. But she goes, oh, by the way, and this is in front of the whole school, right? In front of the whole, like, <laughs> teachers, everyone. She goes, oh, by the way, Rav over there is in my dance class, just to let you know. And everyone goes, and I'm like, oh, man, this is so awkward. I felt so embarrassed. I remember as a kid, I quit shortly after, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I knew from very early on that like, I did enjoy um, performing arts, um, probably not so much contemporary dance. I don't really know. I think my sister did it. My mom probably forced me to do it. Uh, I don't really know. Um, but yes. I do enjoy you know, um, acting, the performing arts, you know, done some stuff over here in the UK on TV and radio. So always had a bug for it and really enjoy it. And ultimately it's communication and communication is sales. You know, you're selling your ideas, you're selling yourself in interviews, you're selling yourself for that promotion. And it all begins with being able to to be an effective communicator because without that, you're either leaving money on the table or you're leaving your potential on the table, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that for me, it's been exactly the same that, you know, my background Mm. I've done a bit of television, a lot of theatre. Gosh, you wouldn't really say film. I was on some films, but you probably didn't see me. I was like a little ant extra in the background or something. But you're right. You know, when you are in front of that camera, you really have to communicate effectively. And Mm. this is what I was talking about on the post that I shared. You know, there are those transferable skills One was definitely about communication and a big thing that I think when you are an actor, you learn the secret to listening really well. And I think as, you know, as a salesperson, it's paramount. You've got to be able to just listen, take in all the information and not talk so much because a lot of people Mm. just bombard people with information thinking Mm. that that's, you know, the secret to selling when it's probably the opposite. So that's one thing for me is acting, you know, it definitely taught me how to communicate better. And a key part of that is listening. Would it have been the same for you? I think if I think about theatre, the interesting thing is theatre is, this is my perspective, theatre is different to you and I doing the Zoom call, which is different to filming a video for LinkedIn, which is different to radio, which is different to TV. There's, there's so many different mediums. So if we take it to theatre for a second, from my perspective, one of the big things theatre taught me was the ability to improvise yes. under stress, like yes. high stress. So if you've got a crowd of 500 people watching yep. you, you know that you have a set of lines which trigger the next person to give their set of lines, but then they forget it. And you're like, oh snap, they forgot that line. I need to either own it in front of the audience to make them laugh (laughs) and go, oh shit, I messed up here. And they find that funny. Or I have to make it feel like it's a part of the process to ensure that the show goes on. And also ensure my next line triggers their next line. And that ability to improvise on the spot is super important in sales because if you're in a pressurized scenario yeah. and you've never been there before, you've never had the reps to get there. Sometimes you can crumble. You, mm. you can get, you can freeze on stage. You can freeze during the pitch. You can freeze with no effective rebuttal or you can freeze in a sense whereby you learn a lot about somebody, not during the good times, but when they're under stress or in the bad times. And if you can conduct yourself in an effective way during stressful times, imagine what it says about you when times are good and you get the deal closed and all of the good times are rolling in. Definitely. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think that improvisation is is really, really yeah. key, especially in mm. a sales role. And I've oh, even heard it before that, um, you know, obviously with the promo, Donna, my company, um, yeah. when we represent clients on the phone, We obviously have quite a comprehensive induction into who they are and what they do. However, nothing, I don't think that there's any script in the world that's going to prepare you for every conversation. 
you're always yeah. going to get thrown curveballs in any sales situation. 100%. And quite often people will say that to me, you know, how did you know all of that? How did you kind of think on your feet and, be, you know, how were you able to deliver that? And I think you're right. I think a lot of that can be attributed to those scenes where I've had to step in and improvise, you know, someone's forgotten their lines or something along, you know, that matter. Yeah, exactly. And I think actually, if we take it back, whether you're a CEO delivering a town hall and get asked a question or from a hostile or you're on a, an ops person, a customer yep. service agent where you've got a hostile customer on the phone, like there's so many times in any walk of life where you're going to be put in an uncomfortable scenario yep. and you have the choice to either own it and be in the moment and be able to think on your feet or... Yeah. allow that moment to get the better of you. But the latter needs to happen in order to allow the former to actually come through, through the experience, you know? Yes. And, and you know, you've had me think that, you know, thinking back to my theatre days as yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. it's not only just about, because I completely agree that it, it's definitely about that improvisation and being under pressure. Part of also that being under pressure is about being in front of a huge crowd. Because let's yeah. face it, that's what theatre's about as well. And, you know, I think another part of being a great, a high-performing salesperson is obviously about confidence and yeah. about that ability to present in such a way that, you know, people <coughs> trust you, they like you. You can't freeze up in that moment. And I don't know about you, I'm not one who looks out at the crowd and pictures everyone naked. That doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever done that. I've never got that. I'm like... <laughs> That's just, I don't want to picture that. It's just weird. I don't, I don't know. I've never got that tip. Definitely. I don't weird. either because to be honest, I think that if you take that tip and run with it, you'll be too focused on imagining people naked and it's not going to yeah. work out for you. So that's Definitely a tip not. from us guys. Don't focus on people. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. Definitely not. For me, what I find if, you know, I really kind of get into that mode of, okay, I'm on stage, I'm looking yep. out there, I'm doing a, a sales talk or I'm doing an acting presentation um, or an acting scene, I actually don't even see the crowd. It's almost like mm. for a moment I am there on that stage and everything else is, is just, you know, not there. It's kind of blacked out. And, and that's why when sometimes I walk off stage, I will say to people, you know, how did that go? Because it's almost like for a moment I lose myself and, again, I'm just very focused on the words I'm saying, how I'm delivering it, that kind of thing. That's how it is for me. What about you, Ravi? So do you mean stage in the theatre or do you mean stage in a team meeting, in a, in a big boardroom scenario? Like what specific stage do you reckon? Do you know what? I would say it's both for me. So, for example, okay. when I am acting, you know, in theatre, on stage, the crowd yeah. kind of disappears. It's all about kind of living in the moment for me and focusing on what mm. I'm delivering. Um, and the yeah. same with very large crowds when I'm speaking. <coughs> I think then what you're getting at is there are different um, situations. It's a bit like you said before, you know, it's different on radio, yeah. it's different on TV, it's different on 100%. This. Yeah. Um, because if I was in a boardroom delivering a sales presentation, it's probably a different thing because I really want to get engagement from people. But mm. at the same time, I don't find myself focusing too much on what other people are doing. It's about, you know, again, noticing what I'm doing with my body. How, what am I feeling? The words I'm using, the energy that I'm projecting. Um, yeah. So what about you? So on that last point that you mentioned, one of the big things I see in the corporate world, and I come from that world, by the way, and I was the dude that would only have ever imagined I would have been in the corporate world. Now I'm in the world of startups. I left, I left the trading floor um, yep. in 2016. So been, a, been, been there nearly around four years, just under four years. Yes. And in the world I'm in right now. And what's the interesting thing I notice in the corporate world, sometimes you're taught to speak. For example, if you look at me now, your hands have to be in a certain space and your tone has to be in a certain space. And often my problem with that is you lose the authenticity. And I, if I think about myself when I was delivering presentations to clients or if I was in, uh, I don't know, on stage back then, I think 
I sounded too refined sometimes. Yeah. And I was, and to the point where it was so, you couldn't see, you could see the corporate robot, but you couldn't yes. see the dude behind the corporate robot because often yes. in the corporate world, you are scared to showcase that individual because it may be deemed as unprofessional or whatever it might be. So if I take back to when I first started my career in the corporate world, as it progressed, I, I can recall scenarios now where it may have felt quite robotic thinking about it or like a yeah, corporate robot is probably the best way to put it. But yes. if, uh, would you agree? Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. And what's coming to yeah. mind for me is this, you know, again, demonstrates that, um, synergy between acting and selling because you can't get on stage and rehearse mm. you know be that you know robot delivering lines people yeah. won't believe it and the second part of that is it's the same with what i do for example you know in cold calling you can't yeah. read from a script and be robotic no one is going to buy that on the, on the telephone so you've got to kind of encompass this or kind of step into this role, this persona, but you've got to you've got to live in the moment and feel it and and believe it yourself. I think. I think the biggest problem that often happens, especially with uh, people coming up in the world of sales, is they will try and emulate their mentors. We've all done it, mm. and what happens is you you don't find your voice. So yeah. if I the way I speak, if somebody tries to mirror that or somebody in my team tries to mirror that, they, it won't come across authentic to the client. Yeah. But the concept isn't about becoming your mentors or sounding like your mentors. The mentor is there to help you find your own voice because one person is going to appeal differently to another person. And if you have clones and mini-me's of me or you, it's just detrimental to actually the business. But often I think when you're young and impressionable, it's easy to say, no, but they're my mentor. I should, you know, I, say, I love the fact they do that. And you end up sounding like them. And yeah. as a result, you feel and come across inauthentic and you don't end up finding your own voice. And I think everybody's made that mistake, been there, done that, worn the t-shirt. And eventually you can end up evolving. And I think yes. the people who really excel fast are the ones who go, great. Like, for example, I love Kevin Hart, right? Yeah. I love all these different comedians. <laughs> I love them, but I don't think, oh my God, I want to be a comedian. I think, okay, the way they told that story in that specific way, they spoke about this at that point, and that's how they did the climax, and that's how they ended with a bang. And those yeah. are the interesting nuggets to take away versus I need to sound like Chris Rock, or yes. I need to be like, there's a, there's a big difference, but also that line can get blurred, especially in the world of sales. Yes. And do you know what? I love what you're starting to touch on here was something I actually really wanted to talk about on this podcast, yeah. which was the authenticity or the truth when we are a performer or we are an actor. And yeah. then again, how yeah. that translates to selling, because, you know, I think I said to you, Ravi, um, I sent you some questions and I said, some people out there might listen or look at the title of this and go, hang on, if she's an actor, and then she's a salesperson. Does that mean that she's not truthful? Does that mean she's inauthentic? Where, whereas the way I would answer that, if someone were to ask me that question, I would say, you know what? I believe actors are some of the most honest people out there. It's funny because there is this perception that an actor is fake or is someone that mm. they're not. Mm. And yet the best actors in the world put themselves in a scene. You know, they bring so much truth to the scene. They inject themselves into the scene, I guess I'm saying. That's why you see, for example, actors that they'll do like a film and who comes to mind is Heath Ledger. You know how they mm. said that he was really tormented after doing The Dark yeah. Knight because he yeah. kind of lived and breathed that character. And you can't say that he didn't inject himself into that role without that happening after. So I guess that's my take on it is that, mm. you know, if you're an actor, if you're a salesperson yeah. or if you're a salesperson using acting techniques, it doesn't mean you're faking it. It means actually you're injecting more truth into what you're doing. So what are your thoughts on that, Ravi? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, okay. Let's, 
I'm going to take it this way. So yep. <laughs> Leo, Leo DiCaprio, I read something about when he was, I think I even heard him say it in an interview that when he was preparing for Wolf of Wall Street, he spent so much time with Jordan Belfort because he wanted to truly understand what it feels like to be in the other person's shoes. Yes. And often if you take a salesperson, they were, you know, the, one of the golden things that salespeople are taught is don't clash heads with your client or prospect, you know, always get in agreement. So people say, yeah, 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 I get it. So anyway, back to, but you don't actually get it. Yeah. You don't get it. You're agreeing, you're saying it, but the difference is saying it and actually feeling it. And yes. people can smell when, you know, I've been on the receiving end of it. Um, and I'm sure we've also done it, to, done it to people ineffectively when we've had a hard day and it's the last call and we're not present. And we flip into the last call of the day. This is going to get done. And we're not present. We say, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. But do we actually get it? And mm. I think the cool thing about take Leo in that scenario, he didn't just go, okay, I see that, you know, I read the Wolf of Wall Street book and this is what it's like. No, he was like, I really want to study and understand what this world was like for Jordan at that period of time so I can depict that character effectively on stage. So I don't know if that really answers your question, if I'm honest, but I suppose for me, the art around putting yourself in somebody else's shoes yep. is very, very important in sales because if you treat everybody the same and you assume that every single client is going to have the same pain, meaning yes. somebody may want to increase their sales, yes. but the route to getting to digging deeper in that is different for one person. It could mean that they need to, I don't know, they need to delegate more effectively because they're holding on to all of their work and they need to hire more salespeople. That's the solution. The solution is increasing, uh, the outcome is increasing the sales, but the actual solution and actually problem that you're solving in that scenario is hiring an extra person who yes. aligns with your value system, aligns with your company, la -di -da -di -da, to help you start teaching others how to fish so you don't have to keep fishing every single day. Whilst to another person, it could be a software which helps them save time, money, and energy so they can spend more time on the phone and less time on Salesforce. But if you just think, okay, I'm here to increase sales and don't yes. put yourself in that person's shoes, then there can be a disconnect sometimes. Definitely. And I think the theme that I'm hearing that, you know, both of us obviously agree on is that um, there is that importance to get in the shoes, not only of your client, but as your prospect as well to understand where they're coming from. You know, we do a very similar thing with the promo Donna. When we start a campaign, we obviously yeah. have to learn everything about our client, how they yeah. would pitch to market, how they say what they say. So it's almost like that one voice mentality. Um, so very much the same as what you were saying. It's about putting yourself in their shoes so that when we go to market, we're really reflecting their brand professionally. Um, However, if we also go back a step to what we were talking about before, yes, it's great to step into someone else's persona and therefore use some of those acting skills that we've had in the past to do that. But you also have to keep an element of yourself so that it is authentic as well. Well, Ravi, you mentioned earlier that um, obviously some of the things that you've learned from your performance um, yeah. background uh, obviously, one of them was communication. The other one yeah. was improvisation. Are they yeah. the main things that you've taken as transferable skills into the sales world? Or are there some other tips that you might want to give to listeners? Hmm. Okay. Here, here's one just come to me. is about scripts. Mm. Now, people's thoughts on scripts are quite, you know, some people love them. Some people hate them. I think there's a time and place for scripts, but the problem isn't, I don't believe the script in itself. It's if you take a look at some of the biggest Hollywood movies, they're scripted. If you take a look at friends, the show that was scripted, everybody loves that, but it's not necessarily the fact that it's scripted. It's the way that people deliver. So it's not necessarily what you say, it's how you say it. So, you know, the conversation of scripts, you know, personally for me, I like a freedom within a framework and some of it, like the opener, I personally, when I'm uh, cold calling, I like having the beginning of it scripted, but it doesn't mean I'm saying, 
hi, my name is Ravi. And when you, when you hear that, <laughs> you're like, oh, shit, that's so dull, boring. You can't connect with it. And you actually get annoyed of being on the other yeah. end of the phone. When I get somebody who cold calls me, because we all get cold calls, you know, and you get a good cold call, I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, I will take 35 seconds of my time to listen to you. I love that. Yes. Um, but it's when you get the robotic, somebody reading off a script where you get frustrated, right? It's, that, that's how I feel. So for me, you know, the debate of script or no script, leaving that aside for a second, the ability to read a script and make yes. it engaging and make it fun, make it authentic, that is a really cool skill because, you know, I've been in theater where there's like 50 page worth of scripts that yes. I have to read and understand word for word and other people's lines because yeah. it connects with mine. And that skill really helped me understand that actually scripts are not necessarily bad unless you are being owned by your script. If you're owned by your script and you take a script away and you can't have a conversation, that's a problem. Yes. Um, so I think scripts is one really interesting takeaway for that and how you think about them. But yeah, um, number two would be it's helped a lot for when being on stage yes, and actually showcasing our product, which is selling our vision and selling our idea, whether it's to investors, whether it's to um, a group of individuals who are travelers who may want to use our app, you know, understanding your audience and being able to read them because yes. there can be plenty of times in theater where one night, you know, the same joke would get, Oh my God, roaring laughter. Yeah. And then the next day, you're like, crickets. And I'm like, damn, I thought I was funny. But nobody <laughs> else gets it. Nobody else gets it. And you're like, okay, I may need to read the crowd and pivot versus, no, no, no. This worked then, so it has to work now. So it's yes. being able to read the audience and understanding how to pivot uh, your, I suppose, your presence on stage, what you say, how you say, all that sort of stuff versus a template. And I think, that's a super key thing because I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like this isn't a superpower where I can feel the energy, but you can sometimes feel the energy of the audience. And also when you are on stage speaking, if you actually connect, make uh, you know, eye contact with some of them, you can see, are they on their phone? Are they Definitely. scrolling through IG looking at their ex-girlfriend or boyfriend when they shouldn't be? Are <laughs> they like, what are they doing? Like, are they engaged with you or not? And yeah. actually it's not their fault if they're doing that. It's our fault. Yes. So we have to ramp it up and say, okay, how can I really get this person's attention? Because that's what we're competing for. We're yes. competing for their attention. Love it. I love it. And I think that this, um, the second part that you're talking about, having that ability to kind of pivot mm. after you've recognized that, you know, this prospect isn't going to resonate with whatever you're yep. saying or whatever you're offering, that's more paramount you know, or more important than ever right now in this current climate. You know, this is something that I'm telling everyone, all of our clients that, you know, in this current climate, people might not have the same needs, the same challenges, yeah. the same issues. So you have to be on your game to be able mm. to read the crowd, like you said, and be able to really, you know, have an offer that's going to engage them once again. Mm. Yeah. And, and I love that about the scripts too. I have to say that that would be a key takeaway for me as well from, from my background um, in acting and how I've transferred that into selling. Obviously, yeah. with the promo, Donna, we do use scripts. So it's funny you say that about people who love them or hate them. I yeah. definitely love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And the big but is, uh, just as you mentioned, I always reinforce to people, you can't be robotic. You can't read them. Um, you know, my, my team, I pride us on being able to develop one and then learning it. So we almost not on like, the back of our hands, but yeah. then we can add our own kind of authenticity into it. You know, we can have genuine conversations. If it takes us off on a tangent, that's okay because the funny thing about our industry you know people always say oh those damn telemarketers that ring me at night right and harass me and i say you know what the the main problem with those telemarketers is and they're like what you know and i said they read a script and they can't go off the script because you know i've done this for so long that if anyone ever calls me and tries to pitch me something like that i simply ask them a question 
And it's funny because the moment you ask them a question, they kind of go, oh, I've got a veer off the script here. I don't know what to say. They usually stay on script. They'll go, oh, I'll come back to that later. I've got to keep reading this information to you. And, you know, it's not the way to be. It's also because, you know, my big belief is the person who is talking the most is losing the sale. And a lot of these, you know, telemarketers simply just have to ask some great questions, find out if you have a genuine need, and then actually, it's like you were saying, actually, you know, pivot their approach to find out whether you're actually going to be engaged in what you're offering. (laughs) Well, look, there's been some great tips. You've obviously talked about, you know, when we talk about transferring from acting to selling, we've talked about communication, about improvisation, Mm. scripts. Um, you know, really reading the room or reading the audience. And a couple of other things I know for me, you know, taking away from, you know, being in that um, TV or the film or the performance background, one of them was whenever you enter a scene as an actor, you have to have a motivation. So, you know, I did a course once, it was a brilliant acting course, and that was the one takeaway I had from it was you have to read a script or, you know, people who are salespeople listening to this can go into a sales situation knowing that they need to get one outcome. They have to have one main motivation, one main focus. And I think a lot of salespeople sometimes forget that. They go into a selling situation without a clear picture in their mind of this is what I I, I want to achieve by the end of it. So for me, acting helped in that sense. You know, I went into every scene with the motivation to, I don't know, get help, to, you know, find out the truth, whatever it was. Whereas Mm. with selling, it's very much the same because I want an appointment or I want a proposal or something of that nature. So do you find it's the same for you that you have that one outcome that you're aiming for or, yeah, how do you feel about that? So that's an interesting point that you mentioned about the proposal versus the appointment versus the deal close. Because if you are in a comedic play, let's say a a comedy, and you are trying to get a laugh from the audience on every single line, you're going to fail. Because you're going to fail. Meaning, if you are a salesperson on every call trying Mm. to jump, straight towards the close and go for the big win every single time, it's not going to work because you're going to skip parts of the process to really get there. Meaning when you're on stage, the buildup to that comedic moment could get you a better laugh. If you have a five minute buildup to actually get that laugh, then elicit that emotion from the audience. So the motivation when you first come on could be to deliver this specific line and set yourself up perfectly for Line three, go up and come on for line three. So it doesn't have to be every time the big, big goal, but it could develop and progress into that. And I think as salespeople, you know, you can't, you can't like assume that every single call is my perspective. Can't assume every single call has to be, yep, close them. Yep, close them. Yep, sign them. Yes. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for this idea of perfection. Yes. That every single call that you get on should result in that scenario and you feel defeated and your ego takes a hit if that doesn't happen. So um, that's how I link the two is that the motivation, yeah, there needs to be an outcome uh, I'm with you. There needs to be an outcome that you are working towards, but don't be disillusioned about the outcome you're willing to, well, the outcome you want to achieve in that moment because not every sale is going to happen overnight. You know, some, some some of the deals that we've done have taken a long time to come through and it happens through pecking away. It doesn't yes. happen through one call closes every single time. And that goes back to the context of know who you're speaking to, because for us, if it's an SME versus an enterprise, we know an SME could be a one call close yes. versus an enterprise operating in the same fashion. will just make them go, well, hold on. You clearly don't deal with big clients because you've never been there before because of the way that you're treating me. So it can make them think this company is only deals with small clients. So you're not a great fit. And you've shot yourself in the foot and talked yourself out of the sale. Like I, yeah, exactly. And I think what you brought up is so important. I think for listeners that it's exactly that. You can't have 
just one outcome in mind that doesn't suit the situation that you're in, so to speak. Um, mm. I, I find it's the same with my team, for example. When we usually start out on a sales call, I say your main aim should really be just to have a great conversation with someone on the other end of the phone because if you follow the sales process and you're having a great conversation, you're finding out if they have a need or mm. you know a challenge of some sort that you can yeah. help with, you're halfway there. Um, and I think you're right. A lot of people will get caught up in this mentality of, oh, I have to close, 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 you know, always be closing. Isn't that the old saying, the ABCs of selling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, uh, old that's school, old school. Old school. Yeah, very yeah. old school. So no, a very good point that I definitely find that the transferable, um, you know, acting to selling that is, you know, having a motivation in each selling situation is key, but to be realistic about what you can actually achieve. And is it suiting you in that part of the sales process? It's so true because imagine if a prospect you had a you had a discovery call. The prospect's like, oh my god, yeah, I love this. Let's let's book a call for next week. They don't show up. Yes, and you, they go silent for two weeks. And the yeah. sales manager or sales leader goes, "So, uh, did you follow up or did you close it? Did you follow up? Did you follow? Is it closed yet?" When actually, yes. it's getting them into saying yes again. It's getting them into actually responding to you is the next step versus the close. So it's easy to put that pressure. And actually, no, sometimes it doesn't need to be as drastic on day one. That's uh, people are wise to that now as well. People people feel like when they feel like they're being sold to, they don't, they don't enjoy it. They don't enjoy the process. And also they love the transparency, you know, letting people know the intention up front. It's, it can be quite refreshing. I'm not here to sell to you. I'm not here to sell to you. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Actually, I I find myself, you know, doing the framing at the start. I I yeah. quite often, you know, if someone inquires, I will yeah. always say, you know, up front, well, usually I'll have a mm. conversation with you initially to find out what your needs are. And yeah. if we can assist you, then I'll write you a proposal if that's okay. And so they know up front what my hope is, what my main outcome hopefully is going to be at the end of the call. And there's no, you know, white rabbit. <laughs> well, that, that, that's such a good point because the, some people call it a strategy call or a discovery call. And then the, the prospect at the end of the call will be like, hold on, I didn't, I, I didn't understand. Like you're selling, I didn't know you were selling me something. Because the mm. expectation and the intention between the two parties is misaligned. Yes, definitely. Boring. Fantastic. Boring. Well, one of the last questions I have for you, Ravi, in terms yeah, of you know, the acting uh, to, to selling, um, yeah. I you know, love certain movies that really reflect um, the sales world and you know, good sales okay. people or good <clears throat> methods to selling. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to ask you, do you have any favourite movies that you know, maybe listeners should watch if they yes. want to see a great salesperson in action? You know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm purposely thinking of something not because people are gonna expect the boiler rooms and the Wolf of Wall Streets and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> they're gonna expect, so, yeah, exactly. They're gonna expect somebody to say that. There has been. I'm trying to think of a movie I recently watched. Okay, so have you seen the movie by uh, Will Smith called Focus? Yes. So with Margot Robbie, <clears throat> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that movie, I mean. By the way, I'm not in the game of telling people to go watch it and start frauding and like ripping off people and like uh, stealing other company software and selling it to others because that's what he does in the movie. But what's super interesting is to view this individual and why they are the way they are and also how they sell themselves in all of these different scenarios. It's just quite an interesting watch, especially when in the middle of the movie, and I'm going to spoil it for all the listeners now, is he, he's betting. And there's that guy, right? He obviously, there's, it's a scam, but he's, he's, you wouldn't believe that he was, it was all meant to be the way it was meant to be. And all the subliminal messages uh, yeah. that were set up throughout the day to get him to choose that specific number. I don't want to spoil it for you. When I yeah. watched that, I was like, what? My girlfriend was like, how did you not know that was going to happen? Like, I'm a sucker. I'm so easily sold to it in that sense. I'm like, yeah, I, I had no clue. Like, 
that was going to happen. But anyway, really interesting movie. I wouldn't call it the best uh, movie in the world, but I do, I do enjoy it. I enjoy movies like that. Movies like Limitless is a, is a, yeah. is a cool movie. I, I always think, oh. imagine if I had an NZT pill, but um, that <laughs> specific scene in focus, I was like, that's really, really interesting. Um, and throughout I- the movie, there's some cool bits in it. And I, and I, I think that focus, you know, and that sinks, I know the exact one you're talking about. And I think for yeah. listeners, I won't give it away either if they haven't seen yeah. it, but it does, it demonstrates the psychology behind selling as well, because yeah. you can, as a salesperson, have the kind of skills to be able to <clears throat> read people in such a way that you mm. can kind of, um, you know, swing them to see things that they, they you know, might not have seen previously. Yeah. I'm actually trained um, as an NLP coach. So I've studied right. um, neuro-linguistics programming. Cool. And we've done a lot in that sense in terms of, you know, the language you use can influence, mm. you know, how people understand things. You can also listen to what people say which will tell you they're buying representational systems. So are they visual? Are they kinesthetic? Are they auditory, um, digital, things like that? However, I think focus is taking it to the next level. Yeah. But if, yeah, gosh, yeah. if we had the skills like Will Smith to be able to sell like that. I mean, it is, you know, you know another movie, actually, now, now you've got me, is before, I know we've got to go, but um, one <laughs> other movie, Leo in Catch Me If You Can, Yes. So he, this, this is, this is like another, I'm not telling you to go impersonate that you're a doctor and try and operate on people like he does. But hey, can I just say, what is with all these movies? The salesperson is always like the dodgy guy. But this, this is the thing. Like if you actually ask most people, what is the first word that you think of when you think salesperson, it's going to tell you a lot about their experiences that they've had. You know, a lot of people would say, oh, sleazy car salesperson. Oh, somebody who's just in it for commission. And it tells you so much about the way they view being sold to. Um, But you can catch me if you can. The way that he sells himself into certain scenarios is mind-blowing, but actually it teaches you the dark, I suppose, takeaways of using that skill to manipulate and to also do it in a way which ends up being so inauthentic that he gets himself or unethical versus inauthentic unethical which gets him into a heap of trouble right but that's a cool movie that is a cool movie so maybe Uh, that's a watch it but maybe it's a not what to do when you're selling (laughs) yeah yeah exactly don't try this at home but um that's the disclaimer of both of those movies but they're good watches and they teach you a lot they are definitely and look stay tuned guys because i've I've actually so many movies are coming to mind that maybe i'll have to do Mm. a segment on the best scenes to to watch if you're a salesperson yeah Yeah, so um look ravi i always um because of my acting background so again you can see the acting background influence even in my podcast um with my acting background i also like to ask all of my guests some questions and yeah. the questions are like that of James Lipton from Inside the Actors Studio. Have you seen his show before? Is this where he interviews famous actors and they talk about their mentors and how they got to where they are? Is that it? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've seen one with Bradley Cooper, I think. Yes. I, I think, but that, I think if he we're talking was about the same it. thing. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Well, essentially, at the end of James's show, he always yeah. asks a series of questions and okay. they're meant to be answered just very quick, you know, one word Ooh. or the first Oof. response that comes to mind. Uh, and I love this because it gives us some insight into who you are as a salesperson. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> so okay. It's like, okay. It's like the actor's studio with a salesy twist. Okay. Um, so so- is it like if you say cloud and I say blue? Is that, is, that how, is, that, is that how we do it? Or I say, is, is that how it works? You say one word and I'll tell you exactly what's on my mind? Well, not really. It's a question uh, I'll ask you. But uh, yeah, if you can give us one okay. word answer. But also, I don't mind if you elaborate because there are some where okay. it might be. Oh, tell us a little bit of a story. But uh, all right. All right. see how you do. Um, okay. Hit this me. is not a test, by the way. <laughs> it feels like it. I feel like I'm back in school. But okay. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So what is your favorite sales word? 
my girlfriend always laughs at me. She says I use the word strategy too much. Strategy. I apparently all she hears about all she hears because now we're now we're working from home. All she can hear is the word strategy coming through left, right, and center. So that's yeah. that's that's all that comes to to mind. But so people, there's always the funny things. There's all these like triggers, right, where people say, oh, like digital transformation or they continue to say the word oh sales enablement sales enablement sales engagement but it is buzzwords which i mean what do they really mean there's so much jargon we could go through but off the yes. top of my head that was a rubbish answer from me but let, let, yeah let's move let's move on let's go let's go <laughs> to the next one that was a shit answer. <laughs> what part of the sales process turns yeah. you on <laughs> on um i enjoy when you've had a string of poor calls yeah. and you actually, well, nobody wants to have poor call after poor call, but when you've had it and you actually speak to somebody who's a great fit, yes. it's, it's such a, wow. Okay. And it teaches you so much about now I know what a good fit looks like versus a poor fit versus if you yeah. just had good fits coming through the door, it's like you, you don't know the good from the bad if you've never had the bad. Yeah. So that belief when you go, ah, oh, this is a great fit. It feels yes. really aligned. It feels cool. That's awesome. I love that answer. All right. What sound? Mm. <laughs> I'm laughing because I know you're probably going to take this as a joke. What right. sound or noise do you love to hear in a sales situation? And I'll give you an example. When someone says yes, you know, or where do I sign or, you know, is there a sound? <laughs> okay. Okay. This is probably not what you're going to expect, but <laughs> silence. And I'll tell you why. Love when it. you've asked a really impactful question and they're silent, like a truly impactful question, like for example, you know, questions around loss aversion normally result in silence when yeah. what you're asking the prospect, what are they actually truly got to lose? by yes. not moving forward with you guys, with your products and you guys. If you get silence, it's, it's very interesting because you know you've actually asked them a question where they have to think versus something that they've been continually asked by a hundred other salespeople. So that silence is actually quite, you know, I love to hear that. I yes. do love to hear that. Yes. I, I have to say that, I mean, I shouldn't be jumping in here because this is all about your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your segment, yeah, but I love yeah. that answer. I haven't actually had that on that on this podcast yet. And I love silence too because, you know, I've learned that that silence is usually the breaking point as well when you're probably going to get the deal. Um, it's usually, and I say to people, you need to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. If there's silence, don't you as a salesperson try and fill it? Because usually that's what people think they have to do. Like, oh, it's silent. I need to fill it. Leave it. Let them think and they'll come back to you. And usually when they break at that point, that's when you know you've got the sale. That's my theory anyway. When I, when I um, you know, I really noticed this more during the, my time selling a B2C product. Um, which was selling a high ticket coaching program. And I really understood it way more then than, I, than ever before. So yeah, uh, I'm with you. I hear, mm. I hear you. Uh, I, I hear your perspective. Awesome. So what is the weirdest sales situation you've ever found yourself in? <laughs> weirdest, embarrassing, or just, just plain weird? Whatever you, wherever you want to take it. <laughs> oh, um, weirdest sales situation. Um, I'd say oh, weirdest. Hmm. Now, now all you uh, guys and girls listening to this know that this show isn't scripted because I'm actually thinking <laughs> uh, this. This is we this like is not. It. We like yeah. to film it raw. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the weirdest, I'd say. I would okay. Let me take this to a scenario where, when I say sales situation, I was selling myself. Um, for a job. Mm. So taking it a little bit differently, I don't know why this just came to mind. Yep. But I'm in the interview and I had like, it was interview after interview after interview. It was like tons in a row. I can't even remember. But I remember it was this Italian dude and he was, he was quite, you know, uh, he, he had a personality and a lot of character. Yeah. And 
what's interesting is you, I was, I was like young and this must've been like 10, 12 years ago, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe nine, I don't know, but a long time ago. And when you're first interviewing, uh, to get into the job market, you assume that you're going to get asked, tell me a little bit about yourself. Great. And if there's three things about the company culture, then what do you say would there be? <laughs> well, you know, in terms of our values, what are they and what? You assume that sometimes it's going to go down that route. This dude spent 30 minutes, must have been like, it, it, it felt like 30 minutes, okay? Yeah. Where he goes, so you do acting. Tell me about that. Tell me about your latest, your latest uh, show, and like, tell me about some of the script. Yeah. And I and I was like, oh, okay. This this it felt weird, yes. but it felt so cool because I was like, this is so different. Yes. And obviously, I was selling myself, but it was in such a way which I had never expected that early on in my career. And it told me a lot about that individual, and also about the company and the way that people think and. It was quite cool. So it felt weird at the time. I was like, I got asked this question. Yes. And I was like, ne- I'd never been asked that because I was so used to, where's the FTSE 100 at today? What would you invest in if you had a million pounds? And mm. you know, those sort of things, which I thought were curveball, but for somebody to actually take the time to say, hold on, you did this. Yeah. Tell me about that. Throw the CV away. Yes. The formality and go, tell me about that. I was like, that, that was weird, but it was super cool. And, and, you know, it's very in line with what we were talking about earlier, Ravi, that um, those sales situations mm. and interviews yeah. are one of them. You know, people listening yeah. might go, oh, is that selling? Of course it is. You're selling yourself. They yeah. can't be scripted. You know, you shouldn't go in going, oh, I'm going to say this when they ask this because, again, it's not going to be authentic. You need to be able to kind of improvise. And you obviously, mm. did you get the job? Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you obviously yeah, yeah, improvised I did well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ended up, I ended up getting the role. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting the internship, and then I ended up getting the full time role. So yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the last question I'll ask you is, yeah. how do you think prospects mm-hmm. would define your sales style? <laughs> I think it's evolved over the years. Yeah. Uh, I think it's evolved over the years. When I used to work in the world of investment banking, yeah. the type of selling was very, very different <clears throat> because the focus was very different. We weren't trained in a way to be taught negotiation skills. We weren't yeah. taught closing techniques or rebuttals or anything like that. It was so relationship focused. Mm. the product was highly commoditized whereby you could technically get the same outcome from 10 other banks on the street. So how, when I was taught, it was, you have to build the relationship Mm -hmm. and you have to focus on arguably being liked by the individual, which is a whole nother conversation of, you know, do you really want to be liked or do you want to be, bull and respected which is a different conversation in itself but yeah it goes back to that point where back then it was very focused on building authentic relationships because that would be the reason why yeah. you would win versus nine other investment banks mm. on, on the street so that was very interesting so my style was so different then because that was all i knew and that was my what my mentors would teach me then yeah. I went into the startup world. It was a different ball game. Yeah. It was so different ball game. <clears throat> the ball game was so totally different. I think one important distinction to make as well um, for the listeners is if I think about my life and yeah. I've had personal trainers originally. Okay. I know this personal trainer. I like him or her. Great. But if they cannot get me results, yes. that's problem now sometimes i don't like my pt because i'm like oh you're putting me through so much pain but i respect that he knows his craft so well that he's got results for himself and others that i end up liking him because i'm getting results in my own life versus the individual that is just hey you know i want to be your best friend but that does nothing over time that does nothing if you don't have the expertise and the skill set to follow through and being 
of being liked is just a losing game. Yeah. Over the years, that revelation has come through because if you just focus on being liked, no, not everybody's going to be like you. And if you're mm. trying to focus on being liked, that means you're trying to be everything to everyone and you lose who you are. Yes. And as a result, in a sale, being you could sometimes, actually not even sometimes, it's always the best thing to do, be you. Yeah. So I'd say over time, that has evolved. And I think when I came into the world of startups, it was very, very, very different to when I was an individual contributor to uh, when I was a player coach to um, so an individual contributor in the world of banking and selling in that environment to uh, being a startup leader and being a player coach and then focusing on being a coach, it's evolved as I've grown, as I've, I, I've had more bad experiences and good experiences. Um, mm. you know, I've learned so much from the bad and also so much, well, more so from the bad because you learn, okay, I don't want to repeat this mistake. So um, I hope that answers your question. I don't really feel like it did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I it did because you've talked yeah. about, you know, probably the different um, ways in which you've sold over time yeah. and how prospects yeah. would have perceived your selling style. And yeah. I have to say, I've had a very similar evolution. I definitely think that when I started out in sales, it was about being liked. Yeah. And I've learned the hard problem. way. Oh, you, you know what? The worst compliment I think to get is someone saying, oh, she's nice. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> is, that, is that it? Is that yeah. it? Because it's the execution that really counts. Yeah. And, and I think what's happened over time is, you know, as you learn, you build a framework, you teach others the framework, they get success with the framework. You know, I think I've, and also one thing we haven't touched upon here is the style, depending on who you're speaking to in what country. Mm. Because what I've noticed is if you're speaking to somebody in the US, it's very, very different to how you would speak to somebody in the UK. Sometimes those cross-cultural differences really have to be taken into account. You know, when we were selling with clients in Japan, it'd be very different if we were selling with clients in the UK, which is very different yes. to the US, which is so different to the Nordics region. So I think it would really depend. But I think, no, to answer your question a little bit more in a punchy way, I'm way more um, upfront with the fact that I have, I know one of the worst things you can do is assume that, as we said, being liked is going to get you the sale. Mm -hmm. Also, not stating your intention up front. You know, you want to be a professional. Yeah. And you don't see a lawyer, you know, who would behave in that way. So why would a salesperson behave in that, in that way and yeah. hide away from the fact that they're selling? And I think the truth is, is when you're young, it's easy to say, oh, no, I'm not here to sell you anything. You know, I'm here to do X, Y, Z. But over time, you learn, no, I am. I do want to help you solve a problem. And if we're not a good yeah. fit for one another, that's totally cool. Like, exactly. that is fine. But my intention is I am a salesperson. That is, yes. you know, that, is, that is what I do. And if it's not me, there's going to be somebody else who can help you with that problem. But hopefully it is us, you know, but who knows? And I think you know, over time, building that confidence to be able to have that frame, you know, it's, de it's developed over time. I definitely think that, um, you know, when you're young and you've got certain mentors, as I said, you, you try and follow, follow them wholeheartedly, but you realize over time, it's about finding your own voice. Brilliant. Well, I think over time you've owned it as a salesperson and yeah, hopefully, hopefully uh, listeners will do the same. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Well, thank you so much, Ravi. There has been so much great uh, advice given. I think yeah. we've talked a lot about, you know, those transferable skills from acting mm. and selling, but mm. we've also gone off on a few different tangents, which has meant yeah. that people have, you know, as we tend to do, yeah. Uh, yeah. but it's meant that people have gotten some other insights like, you know, having silence in a sales situation and the different selling styles that we all have. So, Thank you so much for all right, your no time worries. and all of I your feedback. I appreciate you having me. All good. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, look, it's been an honour. And tell the listeners, if they want to reach out to you or if yeah. there's ways in which you can help them, where can we find <clears throat> you? 
Yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I suppose that's where I hang out the most these days. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me, Ravi Rajani. Send me a DM. I'll probably send you a voice note. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying that at the moment. Um, yeah, you can check out all my content that I'm producing at the moment. And yeah, catch me on LinkedIn or I'm sure Ashley will put my email address. If you've got any questions, hit me up with any thoughts. Yeah, you know, I'm always welcome to speak to new and cool people. So yeah, let's connect. Brilliant. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much listeners for tuning in and uh, Ravi again for being on the show and the Jester to Royalty Project will be back again very soon. Thanks guys.